0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, let me pray. Dearly, Father, we thank you. God, we thank you this morning that you want to speak to us. God, as we've worshipped, God, as we've, as we've laughed together, as we've had a, a baby dedication, as we've just seen all sorts of things, Lord, we thank you that in the midst of it all, God, you are here. God, and you wanna meet with us and God, you wanna talk with us. God, I pray that you speak into our lives in these moments that we have. God, I wanna thank you for Rob and the decision that he made to say yes to you this morning for the first time. God, we thank you that right now there's a party in heaven because Rob gave his life to Jesus. So God, I pray this morning, speak into our lives and forgive the eels of meeting Melbourne Storm. In Jesus' name. Amen. I just needed to get that in. Some may have got some text messages in the week that weren't appropriate, heckling Melbourne Storm, but that's okay. I forgive you. Hey, uh, hey, who's excited? Who's who's loved this series? Yeah, you know, we've we've been in this series called Teach Us to Pray, where we're looking through the Lord's Prayer, line by line, phrase by phrase, and, and kind of looking at it from a whole lot of different perspectives. Today we're up to the the, the last of this series and we're looking at the line that says this. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. What I find so interesting is, as Jesus, or the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach us how to pray like you do. Jesus kind of unfolds it and goes, all right, this is how I want you to do it. And so he, he rattles through, he kind of goes through. But what I find so interesting is that he gets to the end of the Lord's Prayer. He doesn't just kind of teeter out. He kind of doesn't just kind of like, you know, mumble out the rest of them. Amen. But he actually, what... What we find him here is actually ramping up. There's a climax to this prayer where he calls us to pray these words. And he he says, I want you to pray this. Your kingdom, not, not, not my kingdom, but God's kingdom. Your kingdom and power and glory. What he's reminding us is this. He's reminding us of who he is. He's reminding us again of, of, of what He does. And He's concluding with a, with a faith reminder. He says, you know what? No matter what happens in the world, God's kingdom reigns. That the God's, the God's kingdom supersedes any other kingdom that we find ourselves, any other leadership that we find ourselves under. That God's kingdom reigns in power and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Can I be honest with you this morning, though? For many of us, we've been on a 21-day fast. And, and, and today is kind of the, 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 the end of that 21-day fast. And I know to be honest with you, this year, I have found some of it reasonably easy. Like, I've, I'm not eating uh, bread and milk and, or dairy products and meat over the last 21 days. I've just gone fruit and veg. And, and that actually hasn't been such... A challenge. Although on Thursday night it was a horrific challenge because Shadi sent me to the job. I want you to go to Domino's and I want you to pick up some pizzas for the kids. Can I just say this is the worst experience all year? Like I'm standing there, I'm starving, and I'm and I'm smelling the aroma of the cooking of the pizzas. And there's you know, and and it's, and they like they come through the conveyor belt and then they like, they chop them up and then they slap into a, you know, a box and then and there's people walking. I'm standing there and there's people walking out with boxes of and I'm just like. You know, and this is my moment where I'm like, you know what, that was incredibly hard. But to be honest, the food part of the, the fast has not actually been that difficult for me. But I need to be really honest with you this morning and say, you know what, I have found this year's 21-day fast harder than ever. And it's this, I've found it harder than ever to, re- to connect with God. In the moments where I'm just, I'm going, God, I'm doing this because I want to reorientate my focus back onto you. God, I actually want to do this because I want a greater depth and connection with you like ever before. And, And yet, to be honest, I know I'm supposed to say this. 21 days of fasting was amazing. Like God and I are like this and it was fantastic. And that's not the truth at all. It's been so hard, to, so many distractions, so many different things going on in my life around me, so many different things happening, and, and yet I've kind of finished it. In some ways, I'm like, thank God it's done. Not just so I can eat dairy and, 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 and meat and, and bread, but God, I, it was such a hard season, 21 days of trying and trying and trying. And maybe you're like me. I mean, we know that we should pray more, yeah? We know we should pray with more passion and more faith and more of whatever else that I'm supposed to pray with. And, you know, maybe you're just like me that, you know, you feel like when you, you, you want that intimate relationship with God, that kind of like, when you pray, it's like talking to your, to your spouse or your best friend. There's an intimate connection there, you know, and we, and we want this prayer. And yet for me, I felt like my prayer life was safe and dull and predictable and stale and boring. And maybe you're just a little bit like me this morning. And so if you're like this, if you've ever been like this, then God wants to speak to me and he wants to speak to each one of us this morning. As I was preparing this message during the week and praying a lot about it and everything else, what comforted me was this, that Jesus knows what it's like to, to be walking in the shoes that you're walking in. You know, Jesus knows what it's like to be to be in a in a in a time of opposition uh, where, where because he knew what it was like, because Jesus lived in a place where there was opposition against all his teaching and, 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 and preaching and everything else, and the religious leaders were getting angry at him. He knows what it's like to live in a time of opposition against our faith. He knows what it's like to live in a time of uncertainty. I mean, the, the nation of Israel had just been conquered by the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was putting their stamp of, of, on, the, on the, the, the Jewish culture and religions and everything else. And, and Jesus knew what it was like to be living in, in that kind of place where times were uncertain. He knew what it was like to live in a time where he just didn't know how long was left. All he knew that time was coming close that at one point, very soon, he's going to get nailed to, crucified to a cross for the sins and the mistakes that I've made and we've all made. And the disciples, well, the disciples had no idea what was happening. The disciples had no idea except for the fact that 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 hinged, they were betting everything on Jesus. They'd walked away from their families and their careers and their lives and everything else, all because Jesus called them to come and follow Him. And they didn't quite know what that looked like. All they knew is, okay, we'll go. Jesus knew what it it was like to live in times not so dissimilar to now. And, And yet as Jesus sat with his disciples and taught them to pray, he sits with us this morning teaching us to pray. And it's interesting, the declaration, the reminder, that Jesus finishes the Lord's Prayer with. And he says these words, Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. See, what what blows me away and what I love about this is that it reorientates our thinking off the shopping list of things that we got, want God to do for us back onto who God is and what He does. So I don't know if, if you're anything like me, but I reckon in the midst of everything going on at times, I need a reminder of that God is actually bigger than what I'm going through. That God's kingdom actually reigns over the things that I'm wrestling with. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. It's a reminder of who we pray to, whose death, that he is alive. The kingdom, his kingdom will know no end. And he has power over sickness and death and uncertainty and job losses and family and relationship breakdowns and challenges, depression, anxiety and brokenness and hopelessness. And today we still pray to that same God. We pray to a God. We're talking to the Almighty, the everlasting, the all-powerful, all-knowing God, whose kingdom will reign forever in power and glory. Church, how many of us know that our nation needs Jesus more than ever? I mean, we're making crazy decisions and crazy laws around the place. Suicide and depression are up. There's uncertainty in the air. And we're more busy, and yet we find ourselves in less content. And to this, Jesus wants to speak hope. And Jesus comes to us at such a time as this, with a timely reminder that no matter what life looks like, what the future's gonna hold, that God's is the kingdom and power and glory. So what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna look at at this incredible, remarkable story. It's a story about one man who's, whose life radically gets changed. It's kind of heading in one direction. Everything is on the up and up. And then all of a sudden, everything falls apart. And he's sitting there going, I don't even know if I'm going to last the day. So what we're going to do, if you've got your Bibles, or it's going to be on the screens behind me, we're going to open up to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. What I find so interesting. We're, we're talking about the story of Daniel and the lion's den. What I always thought was Daniel was a young, sproutly, energetic, you know, buffed kind of man. Actually, what he would have been is a guy in his mid, late 70s to 80s. Probably looks a little bit like this. And that is who Daniel is. But Daniel is a well-respected man who is under King Darius. King Darius at the time was, had just become king and he'd put a whole bunch of leaders in positions of authority that had been in positions of authorities under the different kings beforehand. And, and, and King Darius was, was a good guy and he loved... He loved Daniel because he saw something on Daniel's life that was different from everyone else's. And so he put him in positions of leadership and authority over all sorts of different things. But you know, how many of us know that, that when, when God positions some people, whether it's in business or in life or whatever it might be, that not everyone always agrees with those things? And this is that moment where all of a sudden, all of these other guys begin to kind of want Daniel's job. And so I don't know how this all panned out, but I would speculate that it was kind of like they had a little posse gathering when they all gathered around and went, all right, boys, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take out Daniel. Now, Daniel, well, Daniel's a senior citizen, so he can't be that hard to take out. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna work out some of his skeletons in the closet because, you know, he's an old guy who's been around for a long time. So surely he's got lots of skeletons in the closet. And so what we'll do is we'll we'll look at the skeletons and we'll re- we'll bring some out and then we'll bring them to King Darius. And then at that point, then Daniel will get the boots and then we'll kind of come in and go, oh, hey, right place, right timing and we'll get his job. And everyone was like, that's a great idea. And so they went, all right, well, what we're gonna do is he began to look through... Uh, Daniel's closet not not physically but metaphorically you get the you're on going with this and so, so they began to look they began to research they began to look around the place I mean he's he's seven to eight years old surely there's a bunch of skeletons in his closet. there's a bunch of things that he's done wrong I mean it can't be that hard to find and so they began to dig and began to dig and began to dig and they're to dig and this is what they found are you ready nothing it's what they found they found nothing Daniel had never been accused of any kind of sexual immorality. He'd never been accused of embezzling any cash or any finances. There was no portrayal that he'd been part of. There was no palace intrigue. He'd never stolen anything. There was no shady internet history on his phone. Not that he had phones or internet back there, but you get where I'm going with that. You know, you know he had no... He'd done nothing wrong. There's nothing that Daniel had done. Daniel was honest and blameless. In fact... Daniel chapter four verse uh, six verse four puts it this way: At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds to charge Daniel, uh, charges against Daniel in the in conduct of his government affairs. But they were unable to do so. They could not find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt. I don't know how it went, but I can imagine that moment where, where all of these, kind of, these, these officials all gathered together and they're like, all right, boys, so what'd you find? Nothing, okay, that's not good, but all right, next one, don't find anything either. Nothing, 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 nothing. nothing. Anyone got anything useful? No. And imagine that moment where they're like, but he's an old guy, surely, surely he's stuffed up. Surely he got a speeding fine or jaywalked or sure. No, nothing. And so they're sitting there and they're like, okay, well, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna catch him out? I mean, this guy's almost perfect. He's quality character. He's loyal. He's done an amazing job and he's passionate about his God. I mean, they're like, any ideas? No, nope. okay. No, no, surely. I mean, but, but this guy is like, perfect and quality character and loyal and does an amazing job and he's passionate about his God. And, and then one of the boys pops up. You can imagine it was kind of, and he sits in the corner and he goes, no, no that's it. He goes, what are you talking about? No, 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 that's, that's exactly it. He goes, I still have no idea what you're talking about. He goes, no, 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 that's it. He's passionate about his God. We'll nail him in his faith with his God. So verse five goes on to say this. Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And you can imagine at that moment, they're like high-fiving each other going, we've found the Achilles heel. We've found his weakness. We've, I mean, we've we got, we got nothing functional and nothing very helpful, but we, we reckon we can probably somehow work it out and nail him on his faith. See, Daniel had an incredible faith in his God. And his strength, but his strength also, they thought, was going to become his weakness. You see, that's how the world can often look at us. They look at our commitment for Jesus and they can easily mock us. And they, they think we're fools for believing in something that we can't see. Now, can we just quietly say that it, it is, on the surface, seemingly crazy isn't it? We believe in a God that we can't see. Seems kind of crazy, yeah? Okay, I'm the only one that thinks it's kind of seems kind of crazy on the surface level, except for the fact that none of us would probably doubt that there's this thing called COVID that's affecting our globe right now, that we also have feelings like hate and love and anger and frustration, and we also experience the wind when it was blowing really windy yesterday when the storms were coming. And, and, and we, we require gravity when we fly in aeroplanes and we are able to come up and come down. And yet none of us would look at any of those things and go, well, that's just a crazy belief in something like that. We would all go, well, that's totally and absolutely normal. In fact, if any of you come after me after the service and go, actually, you know what? I don't believe that gravity is the truth. Then we are all gonna corporately think that you are nuts. They, yeah, yeah. And yet here was Daniel who had a belief in his God and I thought he was crazy. You see, our world can look at us like that too. And a world can think that we're weak or ignorant or we, we need a faith as a crutch. They can laugh at us and they can ridicule us. And they can talk about us behind our faith, behind our, behind our faith, behind our backs. And they can do that because they think that our faith is our weakness. See the story of Daniel isn't a story about how Daniel's, how, how, how Daniel's faith was his weakness, but rather it's actually a story about how Daniel's faith was his strength. It was the thing that had got him to this point in his life. It was the, point that the thing that had got him through so many challenges and, and the fact that he was a refugee in another country to be taken away from his family and all, and mistreated the hands of other people and all sorts of things. Daniel's story is a story about a man who had remarkable faith and that it was his strength, not his weakness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on See, just like Daniel, our strength isn't found in how good we are, how much we've got it together, how many friends we have on social media or in real life, how, 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 what car we drive or a house we live in, how many kids we have or anything else. But our faith is found and our strength is found in how powerful and wise our God is. So in our weakness, God becomes our strength. In our weakness, God becomes our wisdom. But I don't know about you, but it's easy to kind of, you know, there's a gap between here and here. And it's not just kind of 30 centimeters. It's, it's easy to know one thing in your head. And it's a very different thing to know something in your heart, isn't it? You know, and, 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 and we find this point where, where God begins to test Daniel and it says that in this story it says that that a law was passed that over the next 30 days no one was allowed to pray to any other god except for king Darius and how would you go how would you go if our governments made decisions and said you know what for the next 30 days you are not allowed to pray to anyone if you do you get thrown into a pit of lions." and that might be a little bit hard to orchestrate but you know what you am going with that and so this is what happens next in verse 10. It goes on to say this. Now Daniel learned the decree had been pub- published, and when he got home, he went upstairs to his, went upstairs he went home to his upstairs room, thank you uh, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. Then these men went up as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. I've got two questions. First question is this. It's not a very hard question. Did Daniel know that the, the decree had been made that or the law had been made that he wasn't allowed to pray? Good answer. You all pass straight A's. Okay, uh, so yes, but what I find so interesting in this is that Daniel knows that the law has been this law has been passed, and what's the first thing he does? Does not freak out? He doesn't jump on Facebook and you know start you know, you know organising a, a a march down the main street. The first thing he does is he deliberately goes home. He deliberately goes to his room. He deliberately gets on his, uh, deliberately leaves the windows open. He deliberately again gets on his knees and he begins to pray. Second question, is kneeling the only way to pray? No. Double A pluses, you're all, you're all exceptional. But why kneeling? Why would Daniel, of all things, why kneel? I remember some years ago, I remember kneeling before Shadi to ask her to be my wife. See, what kneeling is, is it's an act of surrender. So, so, Daniel knows what's the law that's been decreed. He knows what he shouldn't do. And yet, what is the very first thing he does? He goes to his room, the same room that he did all the time, leaves the windows open like they were all the time, and he gets down on his knees. And he cries out to his heavenly father for help. In an act of surrender, he comes before and goes, God, I don't know what to do. God, I need your help. God, I don't know how to do this any other way. And he gets down on his knees in an act of surrender. See, Daniel wanted to make sure that there was no mistaking that he was praying. He wanted to boldly declare that he, he loved God so much that he didn't want to dishonor his God and turn away from his God simply because of the fear of what other people might do or what other people might see. That he was willing to pray to his God no matter what the cost. In other words, Daniel in that moment made a, made a choice, a posture to say, God, I am all in. God, I'm all in regardless of what the future's gonna hold. God, I'm all in regardless of what this, this means. God, I'm all in for you. And you know what, you know what church, I, I, I need to talk to us for a second. One of the things that I'm wrestling with and one of the things that I've seen around, not just our church, but the church globally is this. One of the things that saddens me is that God and church have all of a sudden become optional for people who love Jesus, who've given their lives to Jesus, it's like all of a sudden everything's happened and all of a sudden we're kind of in this place where like, you know, God and church become an option. You know, God, you know what? I will go to church and I will love you if it fits into kind of my schedule. Now it's busy and there's a lot going on and there's kids sporting events and there's things at work and there's family things going on and there's stuff going on around the place. So God, if it fits into my calendar and my scheduling, then I will choose to love you. And I will choose to make church a priority. And But God, you know what? I will... Church, I want to say this. One of the things that saddened me about what happened last year around our world is that it, it's stolen. And for our campers, it's stolen our all in. And I'm not saying that to judge anyone. but I'm just saying, you know what, we... The decision that Jesus made to hang on a cross was never convenient. And it wasn't the easy option. And it wasn't a pleasurable experience. And, and, and God was all in and God is still all in for you. God is all in for you so much that he gave his one and only son. He sacrificed him at a cross because of the mistakes that I've made or we've made. And one of the things that I wrestle with is, I, is I, and I wrestle with them for myself and, and I wrestle with this for our church, is that all of a sudden it's like God and our faith and our church has kind of just become an option. If I've got time, then I'll kind of spend time with God. And I feel like I've been feeling like God putting in my heart to say, you know what? He's calling us. Back to our first love. Calling us back to that that, that that intimate relationship with him like like Rob experienced this morning as he said yes to Jesus for the first time. You know that moment where we remembered the sacrifice and the gravity of what Jesus did and we made that choice to say, yes, Jesus, I want to love you. God's calling us back into that place where where we're so excited and we will sacrifice so many other things because I love Jesus more than I love a steak or whatever it might be. See, never be afraid to stand up for God. Because when you do, God notices. God is watching to see if we've got enough faith to put Him first in a world that is increasingly hostile against our faith. And that's not always going to be easy. And this story goes on to say in verse 16, So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and rolled in front of the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles. So that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Daniela. A man in his late 70s or 80s. His warrior days were long gone. There was no chance of him killing a lion let led a bunch of them. I mean, I don't know if he could have in his younger years either, but those days were far behind him. And now he's just a defenseless old man facing certain death. And as judgment was made, and he was thrown in the lion's den. Had God forgotten him? Seemingly so. As, as, as he, because did he do anything wrong to find himself there? Well, he just prayed, like got on his knees, he prayed, and he found himself being thrown to the lion's. And I reckon in that moment as he's he's been thrown in and the door gets rolled across and fear and panic and worry begin to swell in Daniel's mind and uncertainty about whether this was going to be the end. Is this how his life is going to finish from this moment on? And you can imagine yourself in the midst of the moment where the, the, the big, enormous, big boulder gets rolled across the door and it goes eerily dark. And then all of a sudden you hear the shuffle of... Pause on a concrete floor, and, and you hear the noise of lines begin to growl. And suddenly, into that moment, a light begins to pierce the darkness. This story goes on to say, you know, at that moment when the door gets rolled across and this, and he begins to freak out, and he can hear the noise of the lions beginning to encroach on him. A light pierces the darkness, and standing next to Daniel is an angel of God, and he's standing there to protect Daniel. And fear, and panic, and worry give way to peace, and rest, and certainty. And he realises that God has a plan. And I wanna say to you this morning, no matter where you are this morning, God has a plan. No matter the challenges that you might find, God has a plan. God has always had a plan and God will continue to have a plan. And then the night went by. And in verse 19, it goes on to say this, at first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called Daniel in an anguished voice, "Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, be able to rescue from the lions?" I wonder how long that pause was. Now, if I was Daniel, I would leave it like a little bit of an eerie pause. It's kind of like, you know, the, Daniel, the, the king's bolted there, and Daniel's just like, "This one inside." I don't know if he gets off, like he kind of dusts some fur off because he's sleeping on the lion's belly. I don't know how it worked. And then all of a sudden, verse 21, Daniel answers, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel to shut the mouth of the lions. And they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in your sight. Daniel had faith in his God. See, Daniel knew what Jesus was telling the disciples. He knew that the kingdom of God supersedes the kingdom of Darius. He knew that, 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 that God had ultimate authority even when authorities were making decisions. You know, he knew that the God, well, God had greater power than Darius had greater power. That God was going to be lifted into glory and esteem far more than King Darius was ever. He knew that God's kingdom was over Darius's kingdom. And God heard his prayers. And God protected him. I love the moment where Jesus is sitting with His disciples and He He finishes His prayer. And He says, this is how I want you to kind of wrap the whole up, like wrap the whole package, the prayer thing up. And this is how I want you to finish it. And I want you to declare that, I want you every time, I want you to do this. I want you to declare that your kingdom and you have power and you have glory. See, Jesus here is telling His disciples this, that no matter what life throws at you, no matter how big the lions that might be coming against you, that our God, that your God has the victory. See, I'm telling you this morning, the same God who protected and provided for Daniel is the same God that protects and provides for you. See, because our God is bigger than you think. And He's more faithful even when we're not faithful, even when I'm not faithful. He's more powerful than you know. He's at work in ways that you haven't yet seen because He is the great I am. He is the God over all. Four weeks ago, I asked a couple in a church if I could share this story and they said that was okay. Four weeks ago, Merv and Julie, Merv and Julie are a couple that have been in our church for a very long time. Merv and Julie head up our life groups and property. Four weeks ago, Merv had been feeling some pain, but because he's a boy, uh, he didn't do that for, he didn't do anything about it for a little while until it got to the point where he was feeling some incredibly, it was incredible pain. And so one night, Four weeks ago, Julie managed to get Merv into the car and then drove him down to the Logan Hospital. And so they came in and said, oh, look, what's going on, sir? And he said, oh, look, I've got some pains. And so they did some, they kind of just checked a few things out and they said, look, we probably need to keep you in for the next three days for the inflammation that's in you to just kind of subside. We'll kind of run some tests and we'll just kind of check out what's going on. But just, you know, put your feet up for the next three days. Well, the inflammation goes down. So they ran some routine tests. Merv remembers the moment when the doctor came in after running some routine tests. And the doctor looked at him and said, excuse me, sir, uh, you've got cancer. They ran some more tests. And they scheduled surgery for a couple of weeks later. And they ran more tests three days after the, or well, once the, the inflammation had gone down, Merv, Julie came to pick Merv up from the hospital and they drove home. And they fell on their knees in an act of surrender to the God. And they called and we, as a church, began to fall on our knees to pray for Merv and Julie. And they extended out to friends and family from interstate. And as our church, as a group of Christians all around the nation, we began to just pray for Merv and Julie. Pray for Merv. We began to get on our knees. And last week, the surgery happened. And as the surgeons did their thing, we did our thing, which was pray. And as the nurses came in and they did their thing, we did our thing, which was pray. They took the cancer out. Because it was so aggressive and ugly looking, they didn't take out six lymph nodes. They took out 21 to make sure that they could try and figure out where the cancer had spread to. So they took 21 lymph nodes and they went and ran some tests. And they ran the tests on the tests. And then they ran three lots of tests on the first round of tests. And then the surgeon called... Move," and said, "Mr. Nixon, we are not quite sure how to explain this, or that you are cancer-free." That goes What? He goes, "We've done a lot of tests, and we've triple-checked the tests, and it's 21 lymph nodes, not six, and you are cancer-free." and they'd been all, there had been. They'd already been starting to work out the process of chemo, and they said, You don't need chemo because you've got no cancer. Merv Nixon has no cancer. I don't know about you, but that's something worth celebrating, isn't it? It's an answer to prayer. Merv, Merv. on Thursday I'm talking to Merv and I'm like so Merv what's going on like how you know I mean I knew what was going on and he goes he goes dude I like what I'm loving is I'm walking in a hospital and and they, the doctors are going we can't explain this and he goes well I can and they'll be you're not a doctor and he goes yeah oh, that's okay look I can I can this is this is how I want to explain it I got a whole lot of people who've been praying for me and my God heals and he's, then he's been with nurses and they're coming in to do some tests and, and some checks. And, and they're going, look, we can't understand. He goes, that's okay because my God healed me. There's a whole lot of us that have been praying. My church has been praying. There's a whole bunch of us that have been praying. And my God healed me. So last week, Merv had his op for his cancer. And then last, oh sorry, the week before he had his op for his cancer. And last week, Merv is walking around the park near his house cancer free church I don't I don't know why God heals some but not all I don't know why God chooses to do different things but all I know is that as we pray we're reminded of the fact that God's kingdom is over our kingdom that God's power exceeds the power that I think he's got Your kingdom come and your power and your glory forever and ever. And move can't stop telling everyone of what God has done in him. The end of this story in the book of Daniel finishes in a super interesting and I love it kind of way. In verse 25, it says this. And then King Darius wrote on all the na- wrote, sorry, wrote to all the nations and the people of every language in the whole earth. I mean, that's a big email. Like that's, that's a lot of people's names. You book, however that happened. And he sends a memo to planet earth. And this is what he says. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of the kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel for He is the living God and He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Yeah. All because of the faithfulness of one man, one person who said, God, I will choose to focus on you. The same God that protected Daniel in the lion's den is the same God who protects and can work in your life today. And He's calling you back to Him today. His kingdom reigns with His Son. Jesus already has victory and power and glory. And when we pray, we're talking to the almighty God, the all-powerful God, a God whose eternal kingdom will reign forever in power and glory. I love it when, he, when it wraps up and he goes, I issue a decree in every part of the kingdom that all people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will not end. He rescues And says and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. As I was preparing all this week, I just felt God wanted to speak to some people this morning, and He wants to simply say this Your God hasn't left you like you think He's left you. Your God hasn't left you like you think He's. Left you. Because maybe, just maybe, while you think you're doing it alone, God's busy shutting the mouths of some lions. That while you feel like in your relationship where there's so many challenges, you feel like when you pray on deaf ears that God's not working. That maybe, just maybe, behind the scenes, He's just orchestrating something different. You know, there's some sickness and there's some challenges, there's some workplaces, there's some whatever it might be, some financial challenges. And what you feel like God is not doing is answering your prayers. And what you feel like God is doing is He's doing nothing. But I want to say to you this morning that maybe just maybe God is not that He's not listening, but He's just busy shutting some mouths and some lines in the background. That He's got some things that He wants to do. It's just that he hasn't shown his hand yet. The hand that was nailed to the cross. And an act of love and acceptance for every single one of us. I want to say to you this morning that God is bigger that God has power to break through in your financial breakthroughs or your job or your relationships or your intimacy with him or mental health or housing or visas or whatever it might be. say this morning that if Daniel can be saved from a lion's den by the hand of God, that the hand of God wants to help you and save you from the midst of what you're going through. See, the same God, who saved Daniel, wants to save you today. And an hour ago, a gentleman sitting just up the back, just in front of the sound desk, at this moment, raised his hand to say, if if God can save Daniel, then maybe God can save someone like me. And so I want to invite us this morning. Just want to ask a question. Do you need saving? You've made mistakes, you've blown it, you've screwed up whatever it might be. We all have. Jesus brought you here this morning because he wants you to hear this. He loves you. He loves you so much that he He sent his own son to die on a cross for the mistakes and the junk and the things that we've done wrong. So can I invite everybody just to close your eyes for a moment? And I want to ask you a question. God saved Daniel. He wants to save you. This morning, will you say yes? Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Sorry for the mistakes of my past. I receive the gift, the free gift of salvation. So this morning, will you? Is that you? Will you do something really courageous? Will you raise your hand so that we can celebrate, we can pray, and heaven can party? This morning, do you need to say yes to Jesus? Will you raise your hand with me this morning? Sister. Amen. Two sisters. Anyone else? Yeah. Amen. The Bible says that when one person gives their lives to Jesus, there is a party in heaven. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you, or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to get connected with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.